Thanks for tuning into the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampli and Seclavio. You listen to myself, James Gerd, and the beautiful voice of my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you today, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm all right. Although I am definitely realizing now that I, I always when we're doing these podcasts, I have the the um the patio doors open for the dog, and now we're getting towards winter, it's a little bit colder in the office. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot colder this week than it was last week for sure. It certainly is, hence the fleece today. Um, uh, thanks to all of our regular listeners for tuning back in. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode as well. And if you're new to the podcast, we appreciate you giving us a chance. We hope that we don't let you down and that you enjoy the content. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, make us feel much better about our own inadequacies. So let's set up the topic and then we'll get cracking. So today we're talking about um, by design, how to handle um, re-platform projects uh, when design and development are done by different agencies. So it's common for businesses to select a, a, an SI agency partner that will do both design and development. Or they provide all the resource, they do the end-to-end project management for you, it simplifies selection. However, there are projects when the client specific needs and the level of design that they're looking for, I've seen this with luxury brands, I know you have, Paul, and the brand experience being a huge part of the project, not just a smaller part, means that actually the design skills and capabilities of the development partner aren't suitable for what that client needs. Therefore, they go to market and find a separate design partner. And this approach can ha- has its own pros and cons. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is, is the pros and cons for separating design and development, how you run an efficient design phase in this context, including like kickoff, briefing, and then aligning design with development, which is the critical requirement in this process. Um, so before we start going into our usual like questions and answers, Paul, it'd be useful for you to like, what, what's your perspective on, on this? Because you've come across this a few times. What normally drives people to separate out design? Yeah, so I think there's a few different reasons. Like, I guess a lot of our clients are like premium or luxury fashion brands. I think there's a lot more... Um, those types of brands typically want to do this like they'll often want like an independent specialist who maybe works with different fashion brands they kind of aspire to or you know really like um and they'll kind of want to bring someone in to handle that part and then they'll want like an additional kind of best in class development agency to then build you know the front end or front end and back end depending on platform um you know as effectively as possible um but i think there's various reasons so often people have this input already so like we were at the brand a couple of years ago they have like an independent creative director kind of like a fractional creative director um you know doing one to two days a week um so it's always going to happen um and there's often kind of relationships as well um with these brands where people have used people for a long time um i think yeah the, the biggest reason usually is because the brand doesn't necessarily think the development agencies have the right skill set to deliver the scope of the design project. So, and as I sent you earlier, I think often when someone's doing, bringing in a specialist or an independent to do the, a redesign usually is a broader scope. So they're thinking more about like art direction and, you know, like digital identity and they're trying to build something that's more unique and kind of more about the brand than just a website. Um, so I think that's often a goal. And I think there's not, there's there's definitely agencies that can do both sides to a really good level. But I think, yeah, when you work with a certain type of brand, they've also got like preconceptions and 
And I, and I do agree with it quite often where there's a brand where they literally just want to have an isolated project that's focused on, yeah, I guess like their identity, their content, much broader than a standard like web redesign. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, I think that, that the, the point you made about art direction is really important because there's a difference between design and art direction and aligning a visual aesthetic with the, the the brand concept and the brand values so that there's a coherent story, which a lot of people who work in e-commerce who might be good at, at looking at what you know interactions and how it works functionally in user journey won't understand that level of, of like brand design. Um, not everyone believes in that, but for those who do, it is very, very important. So you're right. So let, with that in mind, let's let's start getting into some of the areas. So number one, let's talk about the risks of separator and before we talk about the benefits. So a few for me is is normally it's increased cost. If you get a, a specialist design partner, inevitably the cost of doing the design phase with them, it'll be slightly more involved. They'll probably be more interested. It's going to be uh, typically a, a big chunk of cash more than if you just do a design phase of the development agency, usually in the brackets of you know, 10,000 plus additional cost in these projects. Um then you've got the separation of two different agencies having to come together to deliver a cohesive project. And most of the agencies won't have worked together before, which means they don't have process for that transition between design to development, which adds risk, which you need to mitigate around. Um, and then the, the other one for me is, uh, is that not all designers understand interaction design for e-commerce they might be very good at visual design and brand design but they might not understand how that design needs to translate into different breakpoints into different devices how people are using devices and therefore how to make specific layouts work functionally as well as um visually look fantastic i've seen this in a in a, in a, a jewelry company where visual designs look fantastic on paper but they were just too large everything was so big that in a browser it meant that hardly any usable content was visible within the screen and it made so much browsing and browsing to get to calls to actions or you know being able to use the content so you realize that actually the, the, the blend of skills might not always be right in a separate design agent so those are mine what, what about yourself what are the risks you've seen in separating it out yeah, so I think the three biggest ones that I always think about, because we do have this discussion quite a lot, I think uh first one, as you said, is cost. Um, so I think, yeah, it's always always typically going to cost more. Not always, but it's usually going to cost more. Uh, second one is the timeline. So it's always going to take more uh, time if you do this properly, like a design project, in my experience, is usually kind of 12 to 14 weeks. Um, and then you'd go into development. And I guess you need some level of crossover, which we'll come on to later on and um, all of that kind of stuff. And then I think the third one is it becomes harder to manage. Um, so I think, again, we'll probably talk a bit about oh, the next uh, question is focused on benefits. And I think uh, I'm a big fan of like decoupling areas of a replatforming project and bringing in different specialists just because I think it can do risk projects. Um, but it does take a lot more management. Like if you've got a project manager, project manager, they're essentially working with, you know, multiple project plans and, you know, there's multiple inputs into project plans, multiple, or there's kind of more risks around kind of things being slowed down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, more kind of scopes um, that need to be managed. Um, so they're kind of the biggest ones um, for me. Um, but I mean, the other one, to be honest, the other really big one is occasionally you'll get, and I guess this comes down to briefing and setting parameters, but you'll you'll often get designers that just fundamentally uh, design outside of the capabilities of not only the econ platform or like the whatever else is kind of influenced in the front end, um, but also like the third parties or apps that you're working with as well, like 
for example, search or back in stock or filtering or whatever else. Um, and I guess that just comes back down to briefing correctly and making sure you've got the right kind of detail um, for them up front. But they're probably the biggest ones that I've seen. Yeah, I, I think it's actually we'll come on to some of those those things, especially around like third party apps and constraints within the design process. We'll come on to that later when we talk about how you align um dev partners with design agencies and getting the design brief fit for purpose but let's let's flip we've done the the potential risk what the benefit in your mind what the benefits of splitting this out and having a specialist design partner so i mean the, the biggest one is typically the end product will probably end up being stronger from like a visual perspective and i think the design will be more likely to like fully kind of encapsulate all of the content and, you know, all of the things that a creative director would want to showcase. Um, and yeah, I think nowadays, particularly like, you know, there's so much competition, so many different like high volume DTC brands challenging everyone. I think uh, I'm quite pro this because I think when you do bring in like a truly kind of specialist brand focused like creative director or like that level of influence i do think you end up with something that's a bit more like unique to your brand so that's um that's the biggest one um yeah and i think the i mean the process itself as well like when you're working with a higher level of design input i think is usually a bit stronger like the maybe like the discovery sessions maybe how they deal with certain stakeholders as well um yeah the level of research they do around the brand um yeah all of that kind of stuff um so i'd say they're probably my biggest pros to be honest yeah i think so i think that from what i've seen and i haven't worked on many as many projects as you where there's been a separate design partner but i've certainly worked like two or three in the last two years and the, the primary benefit i've seen is is getting when you've got a very like visually art direction led business with a creative director or a very hands-on business owner who is all about the brand identity the credibility in the eyes of those people is higher with a design specialist than with a development partner that's got design and and it just it breaks down the barriers far quicker emotionally and uh, you know that's not the only reason to go down the street but actually that can help the e-commerce team and the core project team not have additional barriers to break down internally because that's already been done for them and yeah the 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 art uh, the ideation around the insight and analysis piece of understanding like the user journey and the user experience piece and factoring that into the art direction the design process i think there's there's not that many although they do exist development agencies who have that level of of um customer insight and user research skill thinking within the design process no matter how good they might be at providing design e-commerce design um, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of development agencies that are really good at design. But the other thing is, is, um, and I think sometimes you go, like you kind of need to let a business go like beyond the holy grail of like UX function and design. Um, and yeah, I guess like prioritize the creative side because sometimes that is kind of what makes a business or, you know, makes a business special or makes a product special, et cetera. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I think it's, it's always, a, yeah, an interesting one. I think you're right because people do a lot of businesses do want a point of difference in their in their e-commerce site because otherwise every site basically functionally and interaction design wise is identical 
but just with different branding and visuals or maybe slightly different layouts and different size of layouts. Um, and then you get, it's very hard for people who are trying to trying to wow their internal stakeholders or their, their, spawn, their, you know, their investors with something creative. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go on now to the next uh, discussion point, which is how do we get the design agency kick off right? Um, and for me, it starts with a, a very clear scoping call, scoping planning call, where you go through a series of of steps to to get the design people in line with what your experts are, but also to get them to to articulate how they are going to deliver the project. Um, I'd, interestingly, when we were talking about this episode, I'm going through this process with a a premium brand at the moment in the beauty space. I'm looking at how we get the the design partner um, aligned, but I guess let's see your take first. Cool. I mean, Trevor, how? What's your first steps when there's a new design partner? How do you get them where you think they need to be in terms of the overall e-commerce project? Yeah, so I think um, there's a lot. Uh, when we have done this, there's been, and I probably didn't actually think about it as much when we were talking about this earlier as I did when you were just saying that. But I think the more preparation you can do upfront, the better. So when we have had an external designer, because there's always going to be like, usually you'll have sessions where it's more about the brand, the brand division, the product, like that are more focused on like the creative side. And I think when you're trying, because you want to separate, you you don't want to like um, restrict like the creativeness around design, but you do want to set parameters. And what we've always done is we've had like an internal workshop where we've essentially presented like a big spreadsheet with like different areas of the project, like functional areas that are going to be within scope. And then we started to build examples of like how things need to work. Um, and then we've kind of kept them fairly isolated but just started to like essentially like give the designers guidance around certain pieces of functionality and then we've asked a client to then fill in an equivalent uh, on their side and then we've essentially kind of done a walkthrough with the designers so I think that's pretty useful and that might not be like core things like you know like the image uh, gallery on the PDP for example but it might be things like notify me when back in stock or search or you know filtering or whatever else um, so I think that's really good. I think the holy grail of getting this right is probably still like you want to have. So this um, actually, this is probably the next question more than anything else. But I think getting the two parties working together with like that crossover, like kind of bit in the middle, like Venn diagram type thing is uh, is very important. Um, yeah. And then I think um, I think you've mentioned the roles and responsibilities. That's obviously really key um anything yeah you can do around you can kind of add from like a uh, kind of platform perspective as well just in terms of any restrictions on that side so a good example is the shopify checkout like that one always comes up and you kind of have to reinforce that repeatedly to internal creative people and the design agency um and any kind of like bits of user experience best practice you want to follow like again you might want to have certain kind of guardrails around um other aspects of the site that you kind of want to retain or um you know not give them too much freedom around um but yeah i think i think that's it and then i guess the only other thing i would say is i think in that process if you can having the two agencies speak to each other and build rapport helps because the worst thing around this is what is if the agency resents or if the two agencies resent each other like we actually did a project recently where 
that's a very creative-led full-service agency and a very technical-led full-service agency uh, working together on a project. And we had to get that. We had to like really work to get them working together. And the end result was really strong. And actually, I think we benefited from both sides having like a little bit of uh or like having team members to like you know there there is a designer on the dev side who you know understands figma inside out and stuff like that and knows the right questions to ask and equally on the design side you know they've got a developer that's worked with shopify in this instance so they have a better idea of you know how far they're pushing things from a development perspective um so that worked really well but getting them working together you know can be really challenging so i think the quicker the earlier you can do that and the earlier you can make like the rationale clearer and you know get the two inputting i think that will make them a bit more comfortable and prevent friction what is ampliance in a word it's freedom the freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision create preview schedule and manage all your content in one easy place Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, I think that's a, reducing friction is such an important point here. I think for me, the way I tend to approach it is I have an internal kickoff with the agent's design agency first before then doing the alignment piece with the development agency. Um, so I actually just discussing this interestingly with a, a client um, who you know as well yesterday and today. And... Um, to make sure we get the design agency kickoff right. And they've done a lot of um, uh, discovery work in terms of getting the right partner, who's a good fit for the business, who's got the right credentials and skills. Now it's let's get them understanding and, and in tune with the project. So I typically like to break it down into that meeting first, which is about, okay, who's your project team, what are their roles and responsibilities and how are we going to work together on that angle? So it's clear who's doing what and why. Do you have a project manager? Not Not often. Um, there'll probably be a client lead and there'll be a lead, um, it's normally a lead designer. <laughs> what's the process for the design phase? How many steps are there? What's done at each? Who's involved in each? What the outputs and deliverables are so we know because that then gives something tangible that the dev agency can review and go, okay, well, we're expecting this at stage three, but they're saying that's not going to be there. Let's align. Um, then them to talk through the briefing process. What do they expect? What do they need in the brief? That can help us to identify any gaps where we think their thinking might not be as deep as um, as is needed. And this comes back to your platform context. If we know that you know, a platform like Shopify, where there are specific app limitations in terms of what the designs have to fit around, if they're not re- um, requesting and demanding specific things within the brief, like what are those key requirements? What are the apps you're using? We need to make sure that's that's flagged and dealt with up front. Um, yeah, then get them to specify what inputs they need from the business. So what information, what data, what insights they'll use. Then asking them um, to map out their standard alignment process with a from a UX UI design point of view. How do they how do their designers work with the the um, UX designers in the agency to align the design artifacts with the development process? Are there any any potential issues there? We've because if we can go through this process with the design agency, we can tease out any potential risks or gaps that we need to plug up front. Then down to here, yeah, you mentioned things like um, Figma tooling, what systems they're going to use, what will we have access to, what will devs have access to, what's their sign-off process, and how will they take those artifacts in, and turn them into finished outputs. Um, so we make sure that they're thinking in terms of what a finished output is in line with what an agency needs, rather than I've been in some projects where that wasn't hadn't been discussed, 
And then we sort of said, well, okay, this is the output format we need things. Oh, no, we're just going to give you flat PDFs. And the dev agency said, no, we don't work with PDFs. Um, and then, yeah, then the final one, I think, is a really important conversation that a client should have with their design agency, even before they're speaking with the, getting them to speak to the dev agency, is what are their expectations of A, the client team, and B, the development agency that would make those parties good partners for the design agency i think that's a really important question that's often underlooked is what are your expectations what are your needs what will make us help you you know how will we help you make this process as smooth and efficient so that i mean that that might sound uh laborious but it's i find that approach is quite an important one that gets everyone on the same page and it also helps tease out where there might be gaps in thinking that we can plug before they tend to be massive issues in the project yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think uh, I'm maybe slightly eating into one of the other points, but I think um, the kind of things that can often come out in a kickoff is like things like even things like um, image handling on well, PDPs, because like we've got luxury brands that want absolute like the highest res the crispest possible uh product imagery and then you end up having more of like a technical discussion around either well the performance impact but also like it helps them to understand like where they need to bring in third parties to support on that side as well um yeah and then obviously the performance side as well around different approaches and and i think quite often there's kind of like bits of compromise or like middle ground where people might end up on that side as well and accessibility is the other one. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's let's cover this one about aligning your dev partner with the design agent. Then we'll go back to what a good brief looks like from the client. Because I still think that's an important point that we should cover. So, yeah, so you, you, what you've just said about you know making sure the de- development agency can walk through any platform limitations, constraints in the context of the requirements and the schedule of work they've got to deliver. That's hugely important because it can help. Uh, plug any gaps the design agency has specific to that platform which you alluded to earlier um also need to have that initiation meeting as you said that that kind of like um uh oh, what's it called venn diagram piece of what what's the race so where do the two meet and what are the roles responsibilities so there's delineation and people aren't duplicating effort or even worse where you know, a development agency starts doing stuff that a design agency thought they were going to do and the design agency gets pissed off and you've got that issue that conflict making sure that's clear is so important um and i think you made a point earlier before we start recording which is let the design agency breathe basically don't put too many constraints on the creativity so managing the development agency so they're not going in and imposing a way of working based on how they would do the designs so maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because i think that's a really important point yeah i think you almost from my perspective i think you almost want to let the design agency to a certain extent have a lot of freedom apart from like certain small areas and then you want to bring in the development um inputs because although it might not be as efficient in terms of like delivery and timeline um i think it allows people to see uh something that's maybe a bit more um like conceptual or creative ahead of the development agency starting to input because you end up like I say often you'll end up with like that bit of middle ground and kind of meeting in the middle at certain points but um, I think it's important to see something that is yeah like a true kind of creative view of things um, rather than them just being kind of um, what's the word like kind of um, pushed in a certain direction or yeah 
yeah and i think that that to me is kind of how you end up with the best um end result and then you start to get the development agency kind of inputting around yeah things like performance accessibility like general kind of good practice etc and and also uh, the other i mean sometimes you'll have like a, a specialist ux input sometimes that will come from internal and development agency etc and then you end up with like collaboration around all of that stuff but yeah i mean the initial brief to a design agency is usually more brand visual yeah. um, you know leveraging kind of assets and content and all of that kind of stuff and you want to kind of i guess see things first before you then start to like uh pull that more into the scope of the um replatforming project yeah definitely that's why i think um to build on that um making sure that when you're aligning the two agencies factoring into the project plan development agency input at each stage of design when something's going to be produced whether that's you know whatever form the um, status it's in um before the final version is done and the design agency thinks it's signed off so yeah this is when a key page type is the home page or when the navigate the you know the i the overall site ia information architecture the navigation the hierarchy the taxonomy that bit is done um anything which is a core user journey it could be like a subscription product or it could be like loyalty um uh, redemptions etc anything where it can have a ux ui uh, design and development implications so that they can just sense check and feedback and nudge it in the right direction if there's anything that could cause problems in the development queues or could add costs from a development point of view that the client doesn't want to incur later on um so let's go let, yeah let's go back to that point about getting the design agency brief fit for purpose so talk us through from your point of view what makes a good design brief from a client so this is the brief the client is creating to give to the design agency to make sure they know what's expected yeah so i think the first one is obviously kind of like goals and objectives like what they want to achieve like yeah the kind of key goals for the project and probably more focused on that kind of yeah visual identity kind of brand piece than the overall goals maybe um so i think that's really important depending on the scope it can obviously be a lot broader if it's more you know foundational stuff as well um i think as much as many kind of examples uh you can provide at different levels like you know maybe certain brands that communicate uh their value proposition really well maybe certain brands that do content really well like you know like product page example all of that kind of stuff and then more specifics from there i think that's always really good um just because it, it can kind of inspire uh designers or design agencies to have a better view of like what needs to be in and out of scope and how long they need etc etc um, and also what you don't like because um yeah, exactly, that, yeah. that's critical because i've seen it where people have been given this is what we like and someone's come back with the sign and people are gonna hate it because it's like this brand and we don't like that brand but you didn't tell us so yeah exactly and i think the other thing like just detail around the business as well you know key product um you know even things like the highest traffic product all of that kind of stuff key user journeys um yeah as much kind of details you can have around that and then if there are any kind of like key technical restrictions probably good to give early visibility of that kind of stuff as well um but yeah it's kind of like any other brief really just the more context you can give um and you know the more detail around what you're trying to achieve the better someone can um i guess foresee what the scope should look like how the project should work who should be involved you know how much it should cost etc etc 
Yeah, exactly. And I always encourage customers to build out that insight piece of anything around, like you said, the key key customer types product is put some data to it, show how that's changing over time, build out the segments. If you've got personas, whatever you've got, where it can actually give people a qualification of what what these these segments and, and customers mean, who they are. What do they like? Don't like this, including things like really, really um, uh, important feedback through customer service, whether that's from live chat or emails or you know social things. Customers like, don't like the things you know about how they tick and how they feel, um, and also key business insights. What what are the key things the business has learned and knows about its its brand, its products, and its customers that will help them better understand from a, a design point of view. So yeah, the more the more insight you can give, the better. But with the one caveat that if you give them three hundred pages of data, you're going to slow them down massively. So you've got very you've got to think really practically what sort of data is going to be useful. Um, what's going to inform them? Um, sometimes sometimes it's things like uh, you know not just putting it into a document, but giving them a walkthrough of um, an analytics tool uh, which is showing you know, people's journeys through the site, where people drop out, getting them a feel for how people are currently using it, whether that, you know, that could be a content square, it could be, um, it, you know, it could be one of many tools that people are using to get their, their page level analytics. So sometimes that level of walkthrough rather than just documenting everything can be useful. Um, and then, yeah, I think you already touched on the requirements for key page types and user journeys. Take what's in the scope of work with your development agency and summarize the essential stuff that could influence the design thinking. As you said, stuff like notify me when back in stock. Has that plan been planned on, on PDPs? Things like um, paying installments. Um, have you got the right information so they know how that needs to be visualized in there? And that's got to be important information at that level of, of the uh, user journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it brings me on to the, I guess, my last question. Um, I don't know. There's probably loads more we could carry on talking about. We're trying to trying to boil this down to a manageable episode for people. Is the whole? It's I guess it's the project management. It's the managing people, decisions, conflicts, etc. What are your tips for for keeping this process afloat? Um, keeping yeah. it practical so you not, haven't got like laborious amounts of project management slowing you down, but equally you've got the right level of control to keep it um, flowing well. So I think um, overall you're going to probably have a lot more experience with organising things than I am because you're... Because <laughs> I'm dull. <laughs> um, but I think the thing, one thing that I've learned about the design process is that you're going to have a lot of very busy stakeholders involved so like you know brand team members potentially a creative director a founder whoever else ceo whatever else um so i think you know managing the diaries and getting everything scheduled like way in advance is always really important like anything like first passes or you know final sign off and you need time for like those stakeholders to review in a room together usually so that one's um really important um i think then you know make like making sure you've got everything just mapped out very clearly from the start with all the different stakeholders because you might end up with you know three different uh, external stakeholders and all your internal stakeholders as well so um yeah that's a really important one and i think for me the biggest thing is going to be that crossover point where you've probably got like a two three four week window where it's like collaboration and you know getting to a point of like um uh getting suggestions from the agency and internal applying revisions next phase etc and getting that to be efficient so that it's not so it doesn't um 
just go on and on and on essentially. So I think getting that ironed out at the start, um, making it clear, like, you know, when you expect revisions to be turned around, like all of that kind of stuff. And also that like how you present them, how you get feedback. Um, yeah. So I think they're all kind of really important. Um, but hundred percent. Yeah. The advanced scheduling, but definitely, even if it's placeholders, um, and I know a few businesses I work with are really reticent to this. It's like, oh, no, we'll just do it near a time. And I keep saying to them, no, put a placeholder now. If you don't need it, you give people time back, they're happy. If people's diaries are rammed and then you ask for more time, they're annoyed. So, yeah, 100% agree with you. Um, and that comes back to the racy um, matrix again, like who's responsible for what, who do you need? You don't need everyone in all of these milestone calls and meetings. Get the right people. Um, the other bit is comms channels. You don't want to be dependent on having to schedule a call or a meeting for everything or having an email, which is, I hate emails. Um, they don't always land. Um, they get lost in people's inboxes. You know, Often people just send an email to eight people, but they don't specify who needs to respond or if they need to respond and nothing gets done. Having things like Slack or Teams, whatever the, the tool is that you use in your business so that you've got a Slack, you know, for example, in Slack, you know, have like we have a channel for the podcast, having a channel which has the design agency and the development agency and the client um, project team on for the design bit specifically so that if the design is like, oh, we really need to send check this to the agency, they don't have to come to you and say, can you can you get a call? Can we have a call? Go, just go straight and you've got visibility. Anything that speeds up the comms and gets answers quicker but is, is visible so that if there's anything that comes out that's a major action, you can document it and do something about it. Um, and then my other point on this is escalation process really is you know these these projects can be complex there are different stakeholders they might not always see eye to eye the question is if something goes wrong or if people can't agree and there's you know, there's a disagreement that needs to be resolved what's the escalation who is the decision authority to resolve it where they can step in and go right okay i've listened to both sides this is our decision let's move forward have that clear and have everyone agree and buy into it because sometimes decisions have to be made that not everyone agrees with in order to keep the project moving so that you don't end up at a standstill. It's just part and parcel of project management. So all be getting everyone to be grown up about it from the start is important. Otherwise, you end up with friction, as you alluded to earlier, and arguments. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else to add? I feel like we've probably covered quite a bit in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we covered a lot. I think, yeah, the only other, like we talked about kind of governing accessibility, SEO, like they're the only other two where you need like a layer of governance. But to be honest, I think that's usually pretty manageable and it's not the end of the world if you need to make some smaller changes further down the line, but obviously good inputs to have through the process. But yeah, I think we've covered most things. Yeah. Excellent. Well, so for those of you who have stayed to the end, I hope you found it interesting. I hope you found it useful. Um, feel free to disagree or feel free to reach out and tell us you know, what you've learned about aligning design and development partners. What did we miss? What, what else would you recommend to people? We'd love to hear. There's no 100% right answer on this and we're always learning as well. Um, and do keep an ear out for the next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. And if you're not a subscriber, please do. We send episode alerts every week. And we would absolutely love a rating on YouTube, Apple or Spotify. Thanks very much. Until next week. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. 
To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.